I'm Derek O'Connor and I'd like to welcome you to the Directors and Dialogue series of podcasts presented by the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland. In this episode we're chatting to director Juanita Wilson, who won an Oscar nomination for her short film The Door, before making an acclaimed feature debut with As If I Am Not There. Her most recent film was an adaptation of Daniel Woodrell's novel Tomato Red. So you have made um, two feature films to date and you are somebody and in both cases and this is presumption correct me if I'm on my my part they're very much specifically things that you developed yourself over a period of years um in terms of I'm always like trying to say in terms of defining what kind of filmmaker you are from your work that I've seen um the work is personal you are a personal filmmaker who creates their own work would that be fair to say yeah I think I think um I've just chosen subjects that have kind of really touched me deeply so in that sense they're personal they're something I can really really feel strongly about and felt like it they're stories that should be told and should be seen and you know for an Irish filmmaker and that's the thing part of the thing is what defines an Irish filmmaker but you're working on a global scale in terms of the stories um that you've told so we could start with I suppose the door would be the first thing that people would know you from um, so maybe just to talk about how that evolved and because even in terms of a statement of intent right from the outset you were working in a kind of a global context as opposed to an Irish context so how did that uh, work happen? Yeah that wasn't a deliberate choice it's just um, I had decided that I wanted to try um, my hand at directing having uh, jointly produced two feature films before that and so I had been actively looking for material for probably about a year um short stories and just a whole range of material and i just came across um the the door which is based on a true testimony um from a book called voices of chernobyl um which is uh written by slavenka alexievich and it just really struck me how um the person's voice the father's voice and also the image of him stealing a door and driving it on the back of the motorbike through a forest at night. And it just, it kind of percolated in my head. And I just thought, that's really strong. And and when you realize why, it's incredibly moving. And it just felt like, well, this this really is a very, very strong idea, a very strong um, story that should be told. But it's also visual and you can kind of play around with it because you don't know initially why he's doing that. Is he crazy? Is he a burglar? You don't quite know what's going on. So it just felt worthy of the amount of effort that would be um, required because to make any film takes such an effort by so many people. I think you really have to feel like it's worth it, you know, that it's important and, and worthy of everybody's hard work. And then the experience that you'd had working as a producer already, you know, so with your first uh, film as a director, it's quite an ambitious technical undertaking before you even get to the work itself. Did that equip you better, do you think, or did it inform your your process and that you were very much, I suppose, kind of um, grounded in the practicalities of filmmaking before you even began to make stuff yourself? Yeah, it was a real privilege um, producing both of those films and being able to see how directors with great experience like Les Blair and Damien O'Donnell to see how they worked and to work closely with them. Um, developing the script and just all the choices that they made all along and then you're with the film right until the end and when it gets screened and see if it gets picked up and all so you kind of you have an overview of the business which I think is important as well as um, seeing each of the different production processes and I think what was really helpful certain things were really helpful like seeing Les cast the actors for H3 and certain you know choices that he made and 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 so you can learn a little bit from from seeing how each of those approach their own craft and um, both very different but both very distinct in their own ways so I think that 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 possibly um gave you a level of information but I don't think honestly there is a way to prepare I think when you're actually going to do it your head is on the block and until it is everything is theoretical until you're actually going to make the film and uh, I suppose you don't know until you're tested whether it'll work out or whether it won't or whatever and for me um, with the door the thing that was such a luxury was having enough time to really prepare everything um, and being able to go out and recce locations both in in Belarusia and later in Kiev and then being able to go to Pripyat itself um, into the zone all of that was just it's a luxury for most short films you know you mm. rarely get a chance to do that so everything had been kind of considered and thought through and planned and I'd spent a lot of time with Tim Tim came on board quite early on in that process mm. 
So we had time to really look Just at... Just for people who don't know, Tim so Fleming, Tim Fleming yeah, who's your uh, cinematographer. cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, looking at photos um, and a lot of actual press phot- photography and things like that, war photography and things like that. And that kind of honed... It kind of gave us the basis for having a discussion about, you know, style yeah. and what way we would we would go about it. And also, um, he came out on the recce, so we were able to walk around locations together. And that was really, really helpful so that you kind of know where you're going to be filming. And then you can start to work out your shots and all the rest of it. So I was very, very lucky to have that as my first experience, experience of yeah. filmmaking. And I was very much carried by the experience of the people who were on board as well. Susie Cullen was a designer and she did a fantastic job. And I was kind of surrounded by people who who really knew what they were doing. So uh, and they kind of carried me on their shoulders in many ways. So it was it was good and it was resourced because um, it did get funded by the um, signatures, the film boards, uh, Screen Ireland's signature fund. And that really helped as well because there was a budget there. We were able to shoot on film and things that really, again, are uh, are a luxury. Mm. Um, and I think because of that, everybody just went the extra mile. Everybody put so much effort and work into it. Um, and I think because of the subject matter, everybody came there very committed to telling that story. Mm-hmm. So um, there was kind of a momentum with it already. You know, you didn't have to persuade anybody or, you know what I mean? People were mm. really on board and they kind of gave it everything. And it was just such a positive experience. And you can feel there's a real, I suppose, there's a kind of integrity to the film as well. And I don't know if that's just by the, as you described, the intention that goes into it to begin with. But then the film had such a amazing life like it really did and that's the thing in terms of how a short can be a calling card and also the reach it can have and and just and and do you feel like that was again it was kind of almost like a blessed experience in terms of it just really just took off and and people totally. embraced it I mean it was it was was a blessed experience I mean I had no I mean I just had no idea what, setting off on that journey if the film would work if you know what I mean how it'd work out or anything and for it to get picked up the way it did and celebrated the way it did just completely kind of restored my faith in the industry you know mm. um and it just felt like wow people are interested in stories people will watch them you can make one story you know in Russia and it'll get picked up and be seen in Los Angeles or whatever and I just thought that is really fantastic and what is so wonderful is that 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 short films they have such a life. I mean, it literally picked up an award at Claremont Festival um, last month, mm-hmm. bizarrely. Like, going. so it's still going. And yeah. the, the organizer was saying there was a, you know, an audience of 250 people watching that. And and uh, you go, wow, isn't that amazing? That's like 10 years later and mm-hmm. it's still out there. So um, that's the power of cinema. It's amazing. And then so to go back to the beginning. You and again, it's not a there are plenty of producers who have crossed over into filmmaking. What was your entry into film to begin with? Where did it all begin? Um, I had started off in NCAD studying mm-hmm. fine art and um, I had done the arts management and um, postgraduate degree in UCD as well. And uh, I went back and did journalism then later on when I was working and kind of ended up combining them all because like, uh, I, I guess I just... I'm always interested in ideas and in, I guess, trying to shine a light on certain things and uh, filmmaking... Well, the industry wasn't obviously developed the way it is now and there weren't the same opportunities. So I kind of took the scenic route and uh, eventually just um, we just said we'll set up a company and try and and, uh, make films. So it was kind of from a a naivety in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And And then you kind of learn on learn on the hoof almost. And from was it from wanting to make a certain type of story or just and and right from the beginning you had a certain curiosity there in terms of stories you wanted to tell? Yeah. We've always been drawn to um, true life stories, you know, by and large. Um, just, I don't know, sometimes you read things and you just, you're so moved by them and how people can kind of articulate our human experience. Um, it's really moving. And, 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 and certainly when you see people in situations where they're really tested and their back is to the wall and you, you just, you're kind of just witnessing something. And uh, it's 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 a privilege to be part of that process. And it kind of feels like you're one part of that process, like with the door, like Slavenka went and interviewed all those people who were affected, obviously, by Chernobyl. And she, you know, put it into the book, which is incredible. It's incredibly written, that book, because it's everybody's spoken voice. It's in their own words. It's really um, very, very direct, you know. And then you're just kind of taking that then and, and putting it mm. on screen and then that's out and being seen by an audience. So you're kind of 
in that chain of uh, of people who are committed and curious, as you say, and then the audience, hopefully, who are committed and curious, will come and and watch it. So, and then so H three was one of the first films you produced, and again, that's something that's very much informed by real life events, but also you're bringing a story to a, a much broader audience, and you're tackling potentially difficult um, subject matter yeah. as well. Um, I'm presuming each time you do something like that, it's a massive learning curve too. Yeah, well, what it, it, it's it's incredible because you are learning about um, situations and events and people's lives in such a direct and visceral way. I mean, it's it's really really wonderful. Um, and it's a leap on the part of the people as well, presumably yeah. to to trust, to trust you yeah. totally, totally. I mean, you do you feel very much entrusted with these kind of stories, and that that is kind of a weight that you carry that you. Um, you don't want to hold them to ransom. You want to make sure that you do them, you honor them and do them justice. And then talk about the road into your feet. So it was naturally from the door that you were going to move into features. Um, talk us through that process, just in terms of developing the work and in terms of... Yeah, you know. I had I, come across the book as if I'm not there in a bookshop in Black Rock. And I literally, because obviously the um, that war was so devastating and so kind of like in our own times, it, mm-hmm. it was... Um, uh, incredible and so when I um, found the book I kind of sat down and read it and it, it's written in it's so clearly written by Slavenka Draculic it's so visual and so sparse and so honest you really felt like gosh I'm 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 again witnessing something that is okay, true yeah, you're there. and uh, but at the time I hadn't made the door so I wasn't looking at it with a view to directing it myself or mm-hmm. even um, writing it mm-hmm. and uh, just the way it happened um, had clear ideas about what I loved about the book itself mm-hmm. and in the absence of um, a script being developed um, decided I would try and take that on and then having made the door and um, you know looking for a director I just kind of went and met Slavenk and said how would she feel if I was to take it on because obviously being a first time director you feel like um she would have to be supportive and want you yeah, to do that. So, a, which she was, which was great. Yeah, and I think just because the door, um, I had made it. Now it hadn't. It hadn't. Um, it was only kind of halfway through its life at that point. But at least I had something to show. And mm. uh, and having written the script, which I had worked with her on a little bit and consulted her, um, I think she felt that my take on the story was okay and that she was happy with that, which I think was probably the main thing. And then. When it came to actually, and that's the thing, making the lead, at what point were you like, I'm a director? That's the thing, because you're in, you have a company, you've been producing. Was that always a view that eventually you knew that there were going to be stories that you wanted to tell directly? Was it just something that you very much felt compelled to do? Or was it something that was just a natural evolution of what you were doing anyway? Um, I think it's something that compelled to do. I think, yes, I think you are compelled in a way. I think that that, that hunger to tell stories and to um, sometimes it comes from anger like this should not happen sometimes it's the curiosity of well what would I do in that situation and sometimes it's just look at this you know look at this is this okay is this not okay is this you know is this worth it is it not worth it Um, and I think just to try and put things out there um, to be interrogated and to create a dialogue about certain ideas and it just it's such a powerful medium I mean you could try and do it just with words and people do and it's very successful or you could try and do it with music and it would be very successful or photography um, is such a powerful medium but when you get an opportunity to put them all together I mean it's just amazing you know and Mm. you just know when you go and you see something you sit in a cinema and you see something and it really it moves you and it stays with you forever and I just think that's um it's so powerful that that uh, I, I, I guess it is like a compulsion just to want to 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 give everything that you believe in that treatment, that level of intensity and respect. And it's a profoundly collaborative process anyway. Yeah. How important was it to you to put again, you talk about finding Tim and having a very strong uh, DP there right from the outset who brought his own, I suppose, strengths to it as well. Um what for you when you're making a film? What are your core relationships in terms of going in? Who are your core collaborators and what's well, important to you? Yeah, obviously um, your cinematographer is really important because um, for me, the the design and the designer and the composition and the framing and all those kind of things um, really excite me. I really love making images. But, 
your your core relationships also would include obviously the actors who are so trusting and so open and so generous. I mean, incredible um, what they do and what they bring and just so open hearted. And, and, and it's it's like it's almost like you're holding each other, you know, because they're trusting you mm-hmm. and you're trusting them. And um, and you have ultimate belief in one another that that you will be able to deliver what you want to deliver. And Nathan Nugent, um, I've been so lucky that I've worked with him in all the films. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody like that who you can go in and, um, you know, try things, turn things around, yeah. test things, um, fix things. <laughs> yeah. To have someone that really you can be so open and just look at it, look at the material and just uh, work and work and work with it until you're both happy with it. I think it's really um, it's fantastic to have that level of support. Yeah. So that they definitely would be there. Also, producers, I think, are a very um, under uh, appreciated part mm-hmm. of that whole process, like a good creative producer who understands the material, who loves the material and who will base decisions, you know, because everything obviously has to be a compromise at times, you know, there's always qualified, has to be qualified, has to be delivered, it has to be, um, you know, it has to be managed. So somebody who can understand that actually within the world of limited resources, we're going to put something on this and we won't worry so much about that or, you know what I mean, to not just kind of go by the book and to really understand that and support the people who are out there then actually making the film. And uh, I, I think they're the ones who get up in the morning, pick up the phone and actually make things happen. Mm-hmm. So for any working director, you need to have um, a really hardworking producer or and, you won't work. And having been a hardworking, is that the thing yourself, having been on the other side of it, you know what it entails? To... Yeah, and I think you just, you know, the distinctions in a way, like we're all filmmakers and we it is all a team. And uh, I, I think, Producers end up with all the headaches and all the problems and none of the glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know why they do it, but thank God they do. And then how was that experience? Because again, you know, on one hand, as a, a writer director, they say sometimes write what you know, but in each case you're finding, you're actively seeking out stories and, you know, you're not doing little Dublin little Dublin stories. Your, your canvas is global right from the outset. And is that just, presumably that's informed by your own interests and your own curiosities or... Do you like to almost, is there a discovery for you within the whole process as well? You're entering into a different world each time. Yeah, I think it just, you, you, um, you just find things that touch you and if they touch you, they kind of stay with you. And um, to find material that is that strong, it doesn't happen every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do, then it's, it's, it's the relationship to material is a very specific one. It's almost like that's your loyalty is to that material because that's mm. what you loved in the first place. And um, and to the person who either lived that experience or, or wrote about it. And uh, it just I suppose it just depends where you're looking and where you find it. Um, it just happens to have been outside of Ireland. But there is a lot of stuff at the moment that um, that I found here. And I'm really hungry and excited to to kind of bring that eye and that perspective onto us here and how we live and uh, and what's going on here. But I think there's a, there's definitely something in the idea of going to a different place that you aren't familiar with and going in and trusting um, your host and learning from them and being able to have uh, kind of access and insight into a world that you, you don't know. It's, mm. it's um, such a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, from your own kitchen end up you know out in Russia or whatever and talking to people and their lives and it's very humbling and um, that alone would make it worth the effort you know even if you didn't come back with a film and I think that's very special I think it's made each of the experiences very very special very intense um, because you are there you're there you, you know you're meeting a lot of people very quickly you're learning about something very quickly and you're all in it together and it just gives a, a, a kind of focus that it's not just a job. You don't just mm. get up and turn up and go and do it and go home at the end of the day. You're there for as long as it takes. And it's collective endeavor. Collective endeavor. And you're you're kind of traveling through these mm. amazing places and being shown the most amazing landscapes. And, you know, it's like a whole world um, mm. that you're being offered. And it's, it's, it's quite amazing, quite amazing to do that. And then you only get to make your first feature once. So what were your lessons learned then from the first one? Um, I think definitely I think in terms of the script there was quite a lot more in the script that we didn't need Mm -hmm. which I wish I had known at the time (laughs) 
because I wouldn't have had to shoot at all. Um, just the other stories and things, there was kind of a lot more going on. So in a way, it was... And was it a film then you found in the editing room? No, no, no. I think it was it was, it was was pretty um, loyal to the spirit of the script, but there would have been other characters maybe that mm. would have had more storylines and mm. that kind of thing. And in the end, it just felt like the simplicity was was the key to kind of try and stay simple and stay um just stay with the lead character the whole time and just see things through her eyes um what would i say about uh again just having that team was really really good um there were lots of challenges um we shot mainly in macedonia and then in um sarajevo and in sweden as well Mm -hmm. so that was you know there was kind of three sets of people three um locations to shoot in so that had its own very ambitious for a first yeah but it was it was amazing um to be able to do that because that's where the genuine story was set so it just felt like it had to be that way or not Mm. and uh so we were lucky that we were able to do that. So that would have had its own challenges. I think the language thing also just a little bit because you're dealing with a lot of extras in as if mm. I'm not there. And they were incredible and um, incredibly generous and positive about the whole experience because they had a lot of waiting around and a lot of stuff. But, you know, you, you, you had to build a relationship with them and a rapport with them and um, work maybe through, obviously, through the AD in terms of um, actual instructions but you still had to you know kind of find a way to uh to feel like you're all on the same page and you know that build up that relationship and trust I guess so that that was um that worked really 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 well I was really really happy with that that big learning curve yeah but it is something it is something that um that was another kind of layer in Mm. terms of communication and logistics as well yeah so it was a a challenging on different like within the fact that you're making a film it's just actually trying to communicate like literally translate what you're straining towards yeah and in the end one thing i noticed about all your work i've seen is you have a great capacity to draw very kind of elemental performances out of people just in terms of the actors how important is that relationship for you your relationship with your actors do you like to do a lot of rehearsal do you like to just take the time and because i presume there's a massive uh, element of trust that has to be given to begin with what's your way into that um, I spend the time probably casting. <laughs> mm. So that's where I spend the time um, is really looking for the right person, the person that you feel embodies the character. And once you found them, then you kind of literally you trust them. Like when I found Natasha for As If I'm Not There, it was very late in the, the whole um, production stage. We were there. We were, you know, going into pre-production. I had seen a lot of people in um in uh, Zagreb and in um, um, Sarajevo, like throughout the whole region. And Mm -hmm. we ended up finding her actually in Macedonia and she was an acting student at the time. And she came in to read for a different role. But as soon as we saw her, there was something about her on screen and asked her to read um, the main part and kind of threw her in the deep end. And it was just extraordinary seeing what she did. We picked five scenes and just put the camera on her. And it was just amazing. And I was... From then on, I just thought we found her and I was so excited. She wasn't really how I had imagined or pictured the mm. character. And she was just so young and innocent. Um, and yet she had such a presence. It was an extraordinary find. And to get that combination, somebody so young is quite unusual. And because you're looking at that age group, they don't always have a track record. They mightn't have a showreel or you mightn't be able to come across them. So you literally have to go and meet all these actors and, and throw a camera on them and, and see how that works out. But she was a little bit unsure you know she's like whoa yeah <laughs> and it was like no i know you but can do it the, and i knew she could do it yeah you're walking her through totally the and she's kind of placing herself in your hands yes. essentially and she just understood we sat down one day and we went through the whole script and she just completely got it again there was no having to negotiate or well i think she's doing this here because or i think oh no i don't think she'd do it that you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was like she really understood um her motivations in each scene and what was going on and what she was feeling and all the rest of it. And that was great. So we didn't actually have to kind of do lengthy rehearsals or Mm. preparation on the day for filming each scene other than just, okay, we're doing this now. Do you remember whatever? And we talk, you know what I mean? And and she would be in that. And she just, she's such a gift. Like she has such a way of um, showing you what she's thinking almost. Do you know what Mm. I mean? She just uh, was extraordinary in that role because it would be very easy to overplay it and then turn it into melodrama or, you know, to kind of um, 
to just get that balance wrong and she just held back but she gave you enough that you really I think um, empathise with her so I think she's just extraordinarily talented and I have to say likewise with um, Igor and Julieta in the door like such talent mm. in that part of the world um, I think um, acting wise I think they're they're just extraordinary and then again when you have a film like that and it's you know it's not an easy sell by any stretch of the imagination how much of the work then is bringing that film to audience and bringing that film because again it travels the world yeah, you know? and yeah. it seems like in, and it's like I suppose each film is a journey onto itself but then that's only the beginning of the journey because then you're getting it out there and how did you find how did that work were you happy with you know how it went were you happy to be able to you know because again you go and you do festivals it's kind of a very long process every time you invest in it um, and how important is that to a film like that that needs to be almost kind of led on a journey it's going to people will find when people find it I think they have a very um, profound connection to it so talk a little bit about that your kind of your festival journey and getting the film out in the world yeah I, I, um, it, as if travel the world and um, I was lucky to be able to travel with it um, mm. to some of those screenings and it's incredible I love watching the films with the audience every time it screens if I can and just to see what they respond to and it is it's amazing like the first it premiered in um a tiff and uh it was just the um a lot of the bosnian community had emigrated at the time and some people had come back to kind of revisit that story and those stories for the first time maybe since they had left so it was kind of profoundly moving to be part of that dialogue and to be part of that process in a way and um and then if we, we went like to uh it went to taiwan it went to um cairo mm -hmm. it went to istanbul so you're seeing it with very different audiences and yet what what they respond to it's really encouraging to see what they respond to um throughout the world and mm -hmm. as you say you kind of you're so wrapped up and you forget that it may be it's a hard watch it is obviously a very hard watch and you forget that you know for um a lot of people film is entertainment and therefore in a way you're amazed that anybody chooses to go and see that and it's always wonderful when they do and when they seem to get a lot out of it it just mm. kind of reaffirms why you do it and then in terms of are people surprised that you know it's a you're an irish filmmaker like i wouldn't like I, I would be reductive to describe it as an irish film but ultimately you're kind of you're very definitely an Irish filmmaker bringing a very definite sensibility to it so it's nice did you enjoy as well kind of challenging the perceptions of what constitutes an Irish film as well yeah I think I guess people are um are intrigued mm. that you um that you choose the subjects and that you go and do it but I think that's happening a lot now I think it always has and I think it's happening a lot more now which is I think it's a great thing that we tell each other stories and um I think that's a very healthy thing do you feel like, how does it feel in Irish film at the moment? It seems like an exciting time. It's an interesting landscape and there's some interesting voices in the mix. Do you think it's an interesting Irish time? Film. Irish film, yeah. I think we're just in the middle of an absolute, um, I don't know, like just a, 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 a cauldron of talent that's bubbling up at the moment. I think what's going on here is amazing. There's new voices coming up all the time. Um, I did a short project with the Lear with the um, mm -hmm. acting students last year and it was such a wonderful experience There was so much talent there and I've worked obviously a little bit with the factory as well so in terms of acting talent coming up writing talent coming up um, I think there's a lot of cinematographers coming up now which is brilliant and then all the voices like I just think there's so many uh, voices at the moment that are making films that are, are attracting huge audiences and getting attention on the world stage at the moment. I think it's it's really exciting, really mm. exciting um, at the moment to see what's going on and both documentary and drama. I mean, you just go to the cinema and you're just so proud and so like it, the standard, I think, is phenomenal at the moment, you know, considering it is a small community um filmmaking community here I think the the level of work and the subjects chosen and the treatment of the subjects and it's kind of blown away by it and is it a good place to be to you know develop and create and make work yeah particularly in your case you're making work that's very inconsistent and lean into your second feature that's very particular it's very you know it's singular in terms of you identifying the kind of work you want to you've made definite choices in terms of these are the stories you want to tell you're not just a jobbing director as such um, is it a good stimulating is it a tough environment how does it actually work you know in terms of finding always, a project and yeah. bringing it to fruition I kind of I always 
hoped and believed that you should be able to make <clears throat> a film from anywhere or develop film from anywhere and that you don't have to move abroad necessarily to do that. And so far, luckily enough, that has proven. So what I love um, is that I'm very anchored in living here and in my life and community and all that kind of thing. And I think that gives you the kind of foundation or the rock by which then you can 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 travel and go and do things. And um, I think it's it's a real privilege to have that. And I think that's something we have in Ireland, you know, very strong community, very supportive um, and you keep keeps your feet on the ground. So I think all mm. of that has been uh, has been really helpful for me anyway, to allow the, me the freedom then to go and try and develop stuff. Um, what did you ask me again? Just is it a good, do you think it's a good environment to work in? Is it a, a an encouraging, is yeah. it an evolving, yeah. you know? I, I, I think it's really great. At the, you know, I think, I think um, that it's become very, very supportive. I think with everybody's success um, worldwide, I think everybody is just happy for each other and supportive. And what's lovely is it's small enough that you have access to people. You know what I mean? You can have informal relationships and... Uh, Com- compare notes and and share stuff which is really really helpful really supportive and uh, support each other's work as well so I think I think it's lovely in that sense that you you're not anonymous you know in Ireland that you have um you you just have people who who you know mutual respect I think between all the um filmmakers uh working here so I think that's a good thing and you know, to try and encourage new voices to come up and find ways to collaborate and broaden those collaborations and integrate, the, you know, what's going on maybe with music, maybe into work and things like that. So I think it's really lovely to um, to be part of that community. And it's uh, it's 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 fun, you know, it's fun because I think we all feel like, well, we've survived so far, you know, and it's mm. sometimes been a hard, a hard uh, struggle at times trying to get films made. And um, and at the moment, it just feels like it's it's coming to fruition. And I think everybody just feels such goodwill and positivity towards towards the work that's being made at the moment. It's it's a, it's a wonderful to experience it. And then when it came to your second film, did you feel did you want to explore completely new territory or did you just let the material guide you? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I kind of, again, had been looking for material for a while and I had read that book um, quite a few years beforehand and I did choose it because it was pushing me into different territory rather than doing something that is strictly, um, uh, you know, true life and that kind of thing and to, to work with the humour and all of that. I ended up making probably a harder, darker film than I had thought I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if that's just what you bring to it yourself, then I as think well. I think yeah. I think somehow along the way um, mm-hmm. it evolved. It evolved, but yeah. because the book for me, the book was always very funny, even though it deals with serious subjects and all that. But Daniel Woodrell's dialogue and all is so funny, and his characters are so endearing and charming. Which is what I loved about it. It's a very particular voice. And yeah. it's an interesting one to try yeah. to find a cinematic uh, yeah. correlation for as yeah. well. Like yeah. I felt it's what you end up with is kind of like a, somewhere between the two. Do you know yeah. that way? Because I think you bring a certain something to it as well. Yeah. So how much of that was just the process of making it? How much of it came out in the... I think you're trying to always chart that line between what what is um, believable and and what is very colourful and where do you draw that line between pushing something a little bit or colouring it in or actually what is authentic and real. And I suppose I would always err slightly on the side of um, trying to feel like everything should be real and justified and whatever. So um, I would probably come down on that side of that line a little bit, um, which grounds it. And then it's very hard. I found actually that um, once uh, Jason is killed... It's very hard to pull back from that on film. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Once you go there and actually present this event and imagine how it would really impact on people's lives, you can't really go back then into the colourful world again. And yeah. yet in the book, it kind of it didn't overshadow everything the way that it does in the film, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, then in order to honour that, you go down that road then and you stay on that road. And then shooting in the States is a huge is a endeavour onto itself. And I yeah. think in the end you found a, because it's, it's a particular country that lends itself to just being particularly, I think, with filmmakers who aren't from America, they bring a different eye, a different sensibility to it. And what was your way into figuring out the visual language of the film? Well, we went, um, Pierce, uh, Pierce McGrail um, shot Tomato Red. And again, I was very fortunate that he came on our first recce, which was actually to New Orleans. We were going to look at shooting it down in New Orleans and we found wonderful locations and textures and light and everything um we kind of 
were really, really happy with that. And then just for a number of reasons, ended up we couldn't uh, shoot there in the end. So we ended up shooting in Canada, in um, uh, British Columbia, uh, just about four hours inland from Vancouver. So that was interesting because it's like you had one film in your head and then you had to shift it and find another one. And as always with these challenges, it kind of throws up probably uh, a few gems, you know what I mean? Because you find something very, very different. And that's definitely the case in terms of Tomato Red, because what had been a small town story that was set kind of within a small town, um, we ended up finding the landscape uh, with the trailer and all up in, in a, a reservation up in um, near Ashcroft. And it just gave the whole film a completely different atmosphere. I think it gave it that hauntingness, all those mountains, all mm. it gave it a palette. All of those mm. things came from that location, which wasn't at all what we started off thinking we wanted. But again, it's like one of these things where as soon as you see it, we couldn't, we couldn't not go there, even though we looked at other towns and we checked out an awful lot of towns and found some very interesting um, places. But yet this just seemed to have the haunting and the longing that... Um, that kind of infused the whole film, I think, with that atmosphere. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the music then in both films, because, again, it seems like a very, um, it's something that very much informs the identity of both of them, and it's something that seems to be very meaningful to you. How did you find your composers? And talk to me about that relationship. Yeah. Uh, after The Door, um, we used so little music in that. I learned a lot about um, just the power of the image itself mm. and how putting music, we did try to put a lot more music into the door at different times in the edit, but every time it felt like too much and it almost pulled away your focus from what was on the what screen. were you seeing. It, mm. it actually pulled back on the intensity. So I ended up, you know, only using a little bit of music in that film at the end. For As If I'm Not There, again, the music was kind of the moments of transition when people are traveling, when things are, are being processed rather than trying to put music over the actual dramatic scenes. Because mm -hmm. again, I think it just would become too much. It kind of pulls you out of being in that reality um, once you become aware of music well, and things a, like that's that. That's a choice as a filmmaker as well. Yeah. Though I think a lot of films uh, these days, they choose to uh, over, you know, they're saying, you know, over emote. It's wallpaper, it's wall to wall. Whereas with you, it seems it's very much a choice. Yeah. When you choose to, their bridges or their. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, their movements. And I worked with um, Kirill, and I'm going to have to check, I can't, I've gone completely blank. But anyway, the yeah. composer for As If I'm Not There is actually a dance composer who mm -hmm. has done a lot of um, kind of interweaving of older traditional um, harmonies and things into dance music. And I just thought, because um, it was a very contemporary war and um, I wanted it to feel like it was contemporary and not just some kind of um, something that happened miles away years ago. And um, so he was my choice and it was um, great to work with him and then he he um we just worked on as as we cut it worked on kind of the pieces of music that we needed and uh and I just the some pieces I just think are really really strong and really powerful and just bring bring those moments that you want to um to uh kind of lift mm -hmm. and then in other places just to choose not to not to have too much on it so um so he was it was He's a, he's a real star. <laughs> he's a rock star. <laughs> and then you worked with Stephen Shannon. I worked with Stephen Shannon and um, uh, Kevin Murphy and Thomas Haw, who at the time were Seti the First, mm -hmm. because I had heard one of their tracks called Sugar to Sea Line late one night on Lyric FM. And immediately, as soon as I heard it, I stopped and said, what is that? There was like the cello and the tone of it was so extraordinary. That piece of music is so beautiful. And so I, I found out who it was, looked them up and was delighted to find out they were um, Irish musicians living um, in Dublin and met with them and said, well, this is what I'm doing and I would love to use that track, that particular track. And um, I wrote the whole, rewrote the whole ending of the script based on that track and everything. And um, we're all set to do it. And we shot an ending based on that track and everything. And of course, the way things work out, when we were in the edit suite, realised Actually, we were going to um, slightly change things a little bit and that we didn't need as much as we thought we did. And therefore, to my great regret, that track wasn't going to fit. Um, so they had the challenge of trying to write a whole new score. And uh, and it was, again, one of those collaborations where it was really 
leading each other into the unknown. Not really sure because I wasn't sure. I'd never imagined that much music in a film like Tomato Red. Um, at, you know, at the time, it, so I didn't have a plan in my mind, and it only evolved again as we started cutting um, and seeing which moments we really felt. Um, needed to be scored and they came up with some incredible music I just think that the talent between the three of them working together um it was it was a, an absolute privilege to see how they work and um and then to um fit the music in over the images and things like that and some of those sequences with the voiceover with the music are, are definitely my favorite pieces in that film I think it it, it again it allowed that film to develop its own personality very much as opposed to the book. Do you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. what gave that film its own kind of cinematic presence, I guess, um, the music. So as somebody who is a, uh, you talked about big leaps into the unknown, as somebody who in the case of each film has been a very particular experience of you finding material, developing it, evolving it, um, that's a choice that you've made as a, a filmmaker in that you are going to make work that is of, and it comes back to your producing life as well, that's meaningful to you. And that's the, is that very much informs your identity as a filmmaker? Or do you think that you would like to tackle somebody else's project? Are there other routes that you would like to embrace? Or is this just how you, how you roll? No, it's, it's what I have done to date. Um, but, uh, at the moment, like it, it's really exciting because things are coming to me um, through other people and new collaborations. Mm. And I find that really, really exciting um, to to work with people in terms of um, script writing or script writers um, or uh, a novel. And I'm really open to all of that. I think what I've realized is um Part of the joy is 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 the um, alchemy between people and personalities, all trying to create something together, and that is such a joy. And uh, to have people's energy and enthusiasm um, on different projects is such a great thing to have, because often you're very solitary um, as a writer director, you're quite solitary. So to have other people's energy and enthusiasm and input. Um, is from earlier on even you know from mm -hmm. the initiation stage is is a real joy i have to say and i'm really um i'm really enjoying that and trying to push myself out of that comfort zone you know trying mm -hmm. to um tonally broaden things maybe and mm -hmm. would love to do something that uh, celebrates our amazing uh, humor in ireland and you know just the you know the joy of when you're in an audience and and of comedy and just kind of throwing a mirror up to ourselves and uh, being able to portray that. So, I, I mean, there's so many things I'd love to explore and hopefully in different ways. Um, the short film I made with the Lear for me was an incredible experience because it was totally, um, totally out of my comfort zone, you know, in terms of having to come up with something very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. It had already been cast as in the eight students, you know, are, these are the eight students. Um, come up with a story, come up with whatever. And um, normally I would find that like I just you know, uh, would find that uh, terrifying. But because of not having a plan, mm -hmm. it just created something incredible, I think, because we, you know, we were all in an empty room and we started, you know, I started talking just about people's lives, what was going on for them at the time. And then, you know, that's interesting and that's interesting. And people brought um, their own experience and we just kind of stitched together, wove together, um, kind of like a day in the life of certain characters. And the quality of their writing was amazing i mean the stuff that they wrote um in a couple of days and then obviously the quality of performance was astounding and um we shot that with michael lavelle and again had very little time to do all the things you think you need to do but, that but actually came up dynamic, with something yeah. that i'm as proud of as any of the other um, mm -hmm. work that i've done i think there's real heart in that there's real honesty real truth but also just Quali a quality there that's extraordinary you know so um so i i i, I suppose that's that showed me that um it, the importance of being open and the importance to just saying well you know something will happen and maybe certain projects need a certain process and maybe others can have a different process and i'm really kind of um hungry to work with different people and um kind of expand your i guess your experience 
And do you think that every film for you is a big learning curve then as a as a director? You're evolving constantly as well. Yeah, I mean, I can't even begin to explain the ways that you're tested <laughs> mm. when you're trying to make a film. You're tested in so many ways. Um, well, it's an act of endurance as well to just yeah. see something from, particularly when you're finding material from yeah. and working on it for a yeah. series of years. Totally. Well. But even just trying to articulate things that you kind of have a sense of, they're not even in words in your brain and trying to somehow articulate that in a way that other people can, can grasp and understand and to to try and always work out is this the best way of doing this or you know what 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 do I not know and what do I need to know and just and sometimes things don't work the way that you planned and there's no hiding and um you know you really you're just very tested and that's a good thing um and I don't think that whatever you learn on your last production is always going to help on the next one because it'll always be a different team a different set of personalities a different um set of challenges so I don't think um, you can never be sure like, oh, this will work out exactly the way you plan. It's all things always change. They will always change. Nothing will ever be the way that you imagine it. It just can't be, you know, because uh, it's in your head, especially if it's come from a book and you already have kind of um, quite a strong visual sense of how everything is going to be. And obviously it's never going to be like that. So you're kind of carrying that in your head as well while making decisions on how to interpret that in, mm. in a practical way. And um, so I think I think uh, the testing, you know, is is as grueling as the joy of actually collaborating with people and and the sum of all the parts being so much better than the individual parts, you know, that that the the input and the ideas and 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 people bringing their energy and their talent and their trust um, all and putting it all on, on the table together. It's it's phenomenal. You know, it really is phenomenal. So uh so I don't know that you it's like each time it's just a whole new a whole new set of tools and a whole new set of challenges to navigate. And what would be and again, what advice is a two part question, what advice would you give yourself going back as a first time director, you know, in terms of and what advice would you give then to people who want to direct? Like you come from a, a visual arts background, so you come from a very particular and then you have a journalistic experience. You know, you so you've brought different sensibilities and different experiences to it. So what advice would you have for, for years? Like looking back, what do you, uh, what are the key lessons and what would you tell people who want to do it themselves? I think um, in terms of advice, I, I think it really does depend on, on people's personality as to what is the best route for them um, and how they like to work and what they're interested in. I think the thing is to find what you're really interested in, what you love, whether that's, you know, sometimes with people it might be more performance, it might be more um, to do with the material in that sense. Sometimes it's visual, sometimes it's a style, you know, certain everyone has their kind of passion. Um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, I would have said to people, you know, spend a lot of time on your script, make sure that that works. Um but then after the experience of the Lear, sometimes you don't have to rework something over and over and over. So I think it really depends on how it evolves. And um, I think the advice I would give is is genuinely find something that you believe in that's worthy of asking people to be involved with. Um, to really try and test it and interrogate it and say, well, why am I doing it this way? How could I do it another way? Is this the best way? Just so that you've really kind of thought it through. So you're prepared um, and and then find people that you believe in and whose work that you really really like and that you feel you're on the same wavelength with and and respect what they're bringing to help you to make that film especially for the first time um so i think it's it's really very much i mean there's so much the cult of the director at the moment has become such a big thing and actually your job is to facilitate everybody else i think to bring their best work and um i think people have this idea of what a director should or shouldn't be, which can be kind of off-putting, I think, for people wanting to try. And really, you know, your listening skills are the skills that are important. Your your um, your ability, hopefully, to help people to believe in what they're doing and to um, to be excited about what they're doing and what they're bringing. And um, just that level of excitement is is ninety percent of your job, I think. You know, 
and everything else can be worked out. And I think to be very honest and if you don't know something, you know, I don't know, find someone to ask and, and, and people always will help you and tell you. And if you have a strong hunch about something to hold on to that too, you know, if you really feel, no, I always, you know, because usually you'll find whatever that hunch is, it's the right, you know, it's right. It's what it probably um, excites, excites you about the material in the first place. So hold on to that, but you might find other ways of solving problems around it or whatever. But to um, to hold on to your belief in what it is you really love or you um, connect with in the material, I think that's probably really important. And what are the key relationships for a filmmaker to have? Like in terms of you as a filmmaker, who are the most important people, you know, and in, 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 on your like team, on your team. Yeah. Just make it in terms of it being a, in the collaborative process. And that's the thing you're driving it. You're the one who has to make the decisions. But yeah. who are the people who are going to. I think I think um, the key, um, uh, as we were saying, the key team members are like the cinematographer is the person who's actually going to film it. So um, they're, you know, they're kind of interpreting your eyes for you. And um, if there's a misalignment there, it's going to change, like it's going to impact on the style and the whole approach to it. So I think it's really um great if you find somebody that you just are excited about the same things you know in terms of the the kind of work that you like or the influences that you have and who really get it and I think um cinematography is as much about the story as it is about the image and I think there's a kind of a distinction in terms of it's not just making the images it's actually are they the right images to tell the story and I think um, a lot of that can come from experience and it's great if you have access to that experience when you're starting off um, and to just guide you and make sure you're not missing key story elements because you're so carried away with like the look of something or whatever. So having that experience is key. I think um, having people who who you trust and you can be you know, openly honest and, and if you don't know something can consult that you know there's no um judgment or whatever i think that's so important for someone starting off because you know you w- you won't know everything obviously you won't know half of what you need to know so you are um relying on other people giving you that um support and allowing you to make mistakes or um and i think that's really really key that the 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 editor allows you to do that allows you to try things um so that you can see for yourself if something works or not or why it works or why it doesn't. So you can really test everything and see it in front of you um, rather than being told, you know, um, being told stuff. If you can be shown stuff, I think it's really, really helpful. Um, your designer, because the look is is so important if you want to make something distinctive and create an atmosphere and things like that, the designer. And they're so hardworking and they do all this work that hardly ever gets seen. You know, it's six o'clock in the morning. There are the people there preparing stuff and... Uh, so, again, a designer who's excited about images or about, you know, um, whatever your references are really, really helps. And uh, music is key. I think um, I think the score, again, is one of the things that really contributes to the personality of a film. And often the films that people talk about, the classic films that people really love, always have a score that is is really memorable. Um, and I think it's it's a really key ingredient, not just to kind of add on at the end. You know what I mean? I think it really is kind of part like the instrumentation even that you choose should reflect the kind of texture of the film itself. Um, and then your cast, obviously your cast, I mean, are are so trusting Um they're like family. You know what I mean? You all enter this small boat together and you sail across um, the ocean and it's it's it's. If you don't have 100% trust, I don't know how you can do what you need to do for them and for you. And it's really important, I think, to protect them and that they're not judged and they're not made. Um, they're so vulnerable that you protect them. And um, and I think in terms of advice, I think casting is probably the biggest thing that you will decide on. And um, you will live or die by that decision and your work will stand or fail. So I think casting, spending time, making sure that you have the right person and that they're happy and your understanding is is um, the same it's shared and that they're happy and that you can facilitate them then working in the most supportive way possible and um, so I guess and then obviously your producer who's the person who has to believe in you in the first place is um is is ultimately the most important one and the person who 
hopefully will be the one who can raise the finance and actually allow you to fulfill your dream. So that's a key role as well. And to try and have a very honest, supportive um, relationship with the producers because um, their understanding and um, and love of the project will be what will push it through, you know, and, um, and to work with them and not fight them because quite often that can become quite a con- conflicting um, relationship just by, the, by its nature and to try and find ways to make that as supportive again for everybody and to understand everybody's perspective and what they're trying to do um, in their own capacity and in their own role and to have an awareness of that and respect for that. And if you look at, say, your kind of your cinematic journey thus far, from the short to the two features, or even from the films you produced, the short to two features, can you yourself, are you always looking to the next thing? Can you see how, you know, your own interests in the films? Are you happy with the films? Are, do you, are you always just excited about what happens next? Um, how is, can you trace your own journey through it? Yeah, I think, um, I think you're just, you're, you're just running with your love of the project and it all seems very clear at the time of what you need and why you're doing it and um, and you're kind of fueled by your enthusiasm. It's only kind of, I guess, with hindsight and when you start to look back, you can put things maybe in more of a perspective. And I think you're always looking for something that is um, is new and you're looking to kind of surprise yourself, you know, to find some new way of telling a story or find some new story. And I think that's something that would be a deliberate choice is to try and find maybe a, a story because otherwise you find things can kind of repeat, um, you know, similar sim- people in similar situations or, you know, whatever. So you're trying to say, well, how could you tell that in a different way, completely different way? How could you interest an audience in that without lecturing them or, you know, whatever, and and trying to find ways to make stories more accessible without um, losing the the content and the the material that maybe you're drawn to. Um, So uh, I would say your ambition and your appetite probably grows each time you know in a way um the first few films I think you just it's like crisis management you're just you know okay you're so excited you want to make and then you want to make the best you can then you and everything is new and you're not sure and then when you pause and think okay well what next then you start thinking a little more about um is there a way to you know to attract a bigger audience how can you do that for films art house films at the moment you know are, are, are um this it's challenging i think for people you know the the life they have um even the the um festival life has changed recently and um a lot more commercial films are now going down the festival route so mm-hmm. which squeezes um, out the more idiosyncratic yeah, visions yeah, at the other end. Yeah, yeah, so I think your access is being squeezed very much at the moment in terms of um, non-mainstream films. And that's something to be aware of. And it's a real challenge then how to how to actually still be able to have a place within that and within the industry. And um, and that's a challenge as, you know, as a filmmaker that you have to try and solve. We have to proactively pretend yeah. you can't take for granted that the films are going to get to Not at all. Audience. Not yeah. at all now. And, um, and so... So that keeps you on your toes. Mm. So what happens next? What's the next one? For me? Yeah. Um, You're ready to do that knockabout comedy? I would love to. to. I honestly, I I can't imagine. I'm sure no one else can imagine what that would be like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would love to do something um, with humor. And even I'm trying to even go back through stuff I've written recently and see how to warm it up as much as possible. Um, Because I just... The joy of of laughing is so important uh, for all of us, and especially in these times. Yeah. But yeah, at the moment I have a I'm working on a memoir um, based on a book by Artis Henderson, a true story about her marriage to a trainee pilot who sent to Iraq, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he unfortunately is killed at the age of twenty four in a crash, and very quickly she has her whole life obviously is turned on its head, and just how how that's dealt with, and how the military deals with it, and how she deals with it and uh, ultimately ends up finding her own voice through that experience. And I guess it's another film about resilience, about uh, it's another war story, mm-hmm. like as if, but through um, the woman's um, yeah, perspective. perspective. Yeah. And again, it's really beautiful. Her her voice is really honest and really, really beautiful. Um, so I have an adaptation of that. I also um, have been working on an adaptation of Selena Guinness's uh, book, Crocodile by the Door. 
um, which is obviously based here in Rathfarnham, which again, it's a lovely story and it's an Irish story I haven't really ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like upstairs, downstairs, but it's kind of like downstairs, upstairs. It's uh, yeah. it's the reality, I guess, of that experience today where it's all turned on its head and it questions our values and um, our heritage and our attachment to the land and it's it's very timely, I think. And again, um, the challenge with that has been that her writing is so beautiful, just trying to get that uh, onto the page so it will appear on the screen. And then there's uh, two other projects um, that have come my way. One um, is being written at the moment by Frank Schuldice, uh based on Gary Cunningham's book Joys of Joy, which again is his experience in um, Mountjoy, going to Mountjoy, and how... The experience in there actually turned his whole life around through education, through setting up a band, through his the friendships he formed in there. Completely, um, he completely turned his life around. It's a really uplifting story. It's a very honest story. Um, lots of humour in it as well. Um, so I think I'm really excited about that. I'm hoping that will be um, maybe go next year. Mm-hmm. And there's another one we've just uh, we're just starting on as well, which is based on Derek Devoy's life story down in um, who set up the ta- taxi watch down in Kilkenny, um, and has done amazing work in terms of um, suicide prevention and awareness and um, training and kind of has set up a whole movement now across the the country. And it's again, it's such a powerful story and it's such an uplifting story about one man no- just noticing what was going on and deciding to do something about it. It's a really inspiring story. So again, I just, uh, there aren't enough hours in the day at the moment to just try and get all those to the screen as quickly as possible. But that's part of it. You juggle, you kind of, you, yeah. and is that part of it? It's just you, you wait to see which one bites or which one is ready yeah. to go. It's kind of a constant fishing process. Yeah, I think what you said actually about the word immersive um, has really struck me because that is, it is immersive when I'm in these, whether it's writing on the page or whether it's, you know, obviously making the film or, you know, you're, you give it your all, you're in that world, you're walking um, kind of in the shoes of the character. So it's very hard to multitask and I'm not really very good at that. So I kind of go into tunnels and uh, little by little walk those walks. And um, so it means it's a very time consuming process because Mm. everything is questioned as you're writing. Everything is questioned, imagined and rewritten. So it's something you can't really jump in and out of. So mm-hmm. I find if I go away for a while, I can really work on something and then I come back and life takes over and it's kind of things are percolating. But mm-hmm. I kind of and I need to go into the tunnel every so often. And it's not possible to do that. I think even emotionally, it's not possible to do that day in, day out. I think you um, it's cyclical, you know, in terms of your energy and your your need to uh you know, the intensity, I think, is yeah. something you can't just do and switch on and off. And then somewhere in the middle of it, you have to have a life as well. So if anyone is looking for you, you're currently in the tunnel. Always <laughs> in the tunnel, Always. which is actually my kitchen. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>